What's up, everybody? We are live this Sunday. Good morning, good afternoon, or good night, depending on where you're at in the world. Uh, we know we have listeners or viewers all over the place, so uh, don't want to leave anybody out. Um, today, uh, today's episode is called "Ode," sorry, "Node to Joy," uh, Node which to is joy. a reference to a song. We thought moving into the holiday seasons, uh, "Ode to Joy" is something we just kind of hear a lot uh, as far as common melodies. So we thought to make the pun. Uh, yeah. Actually, I thought to make the pun. I'll take full credit for that one. And Sorry, I loved everybody. It. It's great. <laughs> We're just gonna. It's well, the theme of today. It's gonna be a nice, casual conversation, just laid back. So I, I thought it was appropriate. That's right. That's right. Super laid back today. Uh, we're actually just going to dive into talking about nodes, what they are, why they're important to blockchain technology, uh, maybe even how to set up your own a little bit. But uh, we don't intend to get too deep into the weeds. We just want to give everybody a nice, firm, structural understanding at the fundamental level of what nodes are and what they do. So before we jump into all of that, I do want to mention Roundly X. Uh, Gingerly is sponsored by Roundly X. Uh, we have good friends over there and they do a wonderful job making a simple to use app that allows you to round up your purchases into say bitcoin or any other digital assets that they uh, have added which is uh, surmountable uh, or a large amount uh, with just spare change automatically it just rounds up to the nearest dollar uh, this set it and forget it tool allows you to dca and to build wealth safely and conveniently over time uh, and it actually helped john pay off his subaru uh, in a time of financial stress which is pretty awesome uh, you can go and sign up with code gingerly to get an extra four dollars of BTC your, after your first roundup. And if you're outside the US and waiting for roundups in your country, you can actually go ahead and start using Roundly X's idea bumps, which are these market alerts that get sent straight to your phone so you can stay ahead of the market movements and hopefully profit some more. And without further delay, Nick, why don't you run it? Whoop, whoop. Nice. I love that. I think that. we heard you singing along a little bit there. Yeah, just a little bit. I couldn't help. I couldn't help myself. It's so catchy. <laughs> Our producers did such a great job with that. I'm, I'm impressed every time it comes on. Yeah, I'm always happy with it. So tell me about nodes. I'm interested in this topic because um, I, you know, I'm still building a fundamental understanding of blockchain technology and I understand it enough to believe in it and understand, uh, you know, where it might be able to take us in the future. But when it gets into the technical stuff, I mean, I, I feel like a, a gamer going, yeah, I could build a game. Um, I was like, nope, game dev is this whole big <laughs> rabbit hole. Just because you play video yeah. games doesn't mean you know how to do that. Um, yeah. so why don't we, uh, just start with some basics. I mean, Bitcoin's yeah. a peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash system, and it runs off of a decentralized network made up of these things called nodes. Right. What's a node? That's a great question. A node is basically a validator or a copy of the entire blockchain. When I first heard the, the analogy, it was like, I, I, back in the day, I'm dating myself here, it was like probably 2014-ish. And uh, people still balance checkbooks back then. <laughs> and so the, the analogy used to be that it's like a ledger. And nowadays you say a ledger and people are like, what's that? But like I'm, my mom used to balance the check or, or still does balance the checkbook by hand. And, uh, you know, the ledger is just the full collection of all of your financial transactions. And you keep track of it so that you know what money you have, essentially. And that uh, specifically with Bitcoin being a digital system, the most important thing is preventing double spend, or that was like one of the largest first problems that we wanted to solve, which is essentially you can't 
I can't buy something from you with this dollar and then go and buy something from my other friend with the same dollar. Right. Um, right. And that's easier to do with digital money because it's not like physically represented. And so Bitcoin had to overcome that problem. And the solution was pretty much a node. Okay. So can Bitcoin exist without nodes? I would say, well, it's hard to not get too technical with this question. Uh, if you okay. really want to dive in and like get into some really crazy theoretical arguments, go look up Jimmy Song on Twitter. Um, he has written some crazy Twitter threads about how Bitcoin could exist in a variety of uh, extreme circumstances, even down to like having, you know, China control 51% of the nodes or something like that. Or, uh, you know, what would happen if we lost electricity and Bitcoin, could Bitcoin theoretically still exist? All that crazy stuff. Right. Um, the easy answer, in my opinion, is no. Like Bitcoin, as we know it now, really can't exist without nodes um, because a node, I think we can, the first thing that I want to do is kind of get into like a more simple definitions because it sounds, you know, hackery, like tech, kind of <laughs> mystical yeah. when people say nodes, you're like, ooh, you know, that sounds super official, but it's really not that, it's not that big of a deal. And it's also misconceived with a mining system. So what's really cool, I'm going to back up just a little bit. We're referencing Bitcoin pretty heavily in this conversation because mm -hmm. it's the widest known and both of us like kind of want to prioritize Bitcoin education first. Um, but 100%. nodes aren't just um, Bitcoin things. Nodes are uh, validators in any blockchain. Like you can use it in proof of work, which is uh, using your computer's power to be able to validate an effort. So like with Bitcoin, you put your computer's GPU or CPU power towards solving algorithms that support the network and like validate the transactions with things like proof of stake, which you might've heard of recently because Ethereum went through this big upgrade to move to proof of stake. And a lot of people think that proof of stake is more environmentally friendly than proof of work, which if you have any questions about that, go back and watch gingerly episode three, where we dive into the environmentalism like arguments there. Mm -hmm. um, but proof of stake uses nodes too. It's just in a different way. So, um, yeah, whenever, you know, we talk about nodes, I just want our viewers to think like this isn't just a Bitcoin thing. This is a blockchain thing, right? Um, yeah, and, I'll, and even, I'll go ahead and clarify a little bit from my perspective on that. One of the big yeah. reasons that I use Bitcoin as a reference all the time is because it's the first really blockchain tech that was out there, right? Am I am I wrong in saying that? I mean, um, it, it, it wasn't the like, first, like blockchain yeah. existed first, but then Bitcoin actually put it to use in a big way. Um, right. so that's Bitcoin kind of like one the of the first major I... success, you know, right. it was like, um, you know, were there PCs before like windows 95? Like, well, yeah, of course. But like windows 95 was like the PC that everyone's familiar with. Right. So when right. people think of like a PC, they think windows where that's not necessarily the real history of it. And it's very similar with Bitcoin. Like there's lots of cryptographic and even digital currency, like ideas that were being experimented with, but none of them took off to the effect that Bitcoin has. And so it's one of the best examples because it's one of the best understood, I think. Okay, so so please continue. You're talking about uh, nodes actually um, being essentially, you can't escape the idea of nodes necessarily with blockchain because, and I'm assuming here, but nodes are essentially the decentralizing force uh, yeah. technologically behind <clears throat> cryptocurrencies. Yep, exactly. So um, essentially a node is like, it's like your own self-sovereign representation of that particular blockchain. Um, so 
I'm going to about to dive into like the two types of different types of, of nodes that most cryptocurrencies use. But like, mm -hmm. I do want to hone in on this idea of self-sovereignty. Um, Bitcoin is built and people like me and you use Bitcoin because, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but for me, I don't trust the government to handle my money wisely. And I would rather trust math and the algorithm that runs Bitcoin to manage that system and save that way because I don't want to have to trust another person with my money. Right. At the end of that's the day. actually interesting. So, so your thing is primarily trust base. Yes. Uh, and I, I actually do come at it from a different angle, um, just to prevent words being put in my mouth. Um, I, I come at it from a much more philosophical angle, uh, where I, I think that individual sovereignty is the basis of all of the societies in our world that operate at the highest level it's the best thing that we've come up with so far. Mm -hmm. And so I think replicating individual sovereignty in our financial system is a smart move. Um, yeah. Akin yeah. to, you know, the introduction of democracy, it, right. that's what it's going to do. That did for politics, what hopefully Bitcoin and cryptocurrency can do for finance. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that both of our reasons are related. Yours is like one level deeper than mine, which I am totally on board with with you, by the way. Like, I love the term self-sovereignty. I feel like it can be a little um, uh, confusing in general conversation. Like when people hear that, it's not something that people just kind of throw around. So when I start conversations, I want I like to say, you know, I don't want do you trust the government? Like most people right. are like, you know, <laughs> absolutely not. Of course not. We we agree, right? Like the Bitcoin yeah. conversation double check at the beginning where you're like, just so we're on the same page. Yeah, the government, yeah. we don't trust them, right? Yeah. Okay. All Good right. Now bad. we can like, talk. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So so then at, once you start at that level, you're like, okay, well, you know, do you trust your own decision? Like, do you trust how you spend your own money versus like letting the government tell you how to do it? Well, yeah, of course I do. Like Okay, well, what if there was a currency that you knew without a without a shadow of a doubt the government couldn't influence at all? Wouldn't you want to use that? I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, that sounds pretty cool, um, you know. And then people are scared off by like, oh, well, then I can potentially lose it and all that kind of stuff. But that's a conversation for another day, right? Let's just assume that you're okay taking the risk to be able to actually handle your own finances and your own money. You're okay being self sovereign or actually responsible in a good way, right, for your own resources. Then you start pulling threads. Oh, this is a great, Nick. Thank you for sharing this. This is one of the best books on self-sovereignty that I have read so far. A lot of uh, Bitcoiners read this book. Um, highly recommend it. So yeah, let's toss that into the uh, let's toss that into the resources list for sure. Um, yeah, but, I, I need so, to actually pick up some of these books. Um, yeah, because a lot of reads. this has been generated out of my own crazy brain. Right. Um, so I, I need to actually get some other input. Some litmus tests. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, um, for that sure and the crazy. Bitcoin standard, uh, both really good. Um, but so anyway, um, we've said in lots of our shows that when you start asking questions about, you know, what is money? What is what is Bitcoin? You start asking questions like, how is the government influencing my money? And what can I do to change it? And how does Bitcoin influence all of these other things? And um, you start getting to know it, right? Like, so even you, we just recently kind of figured out using a cold storage uh, with private seed strategy, right? And I think everyone mm -hmm. watching the show should consider doing that. Like if you have Bitcoin, get it off of an exchange, practice actually using cold storage and like your own private seeds, because that's being personally responsible for your assets, right? You're taking control of those. Exactly. Um, and, and all of that comes back to the basis of property ownership, right? Yeah. Uh, without some degree of property ownership, we don't have control over ourselves and our own lives and our own families and right. the people that we care about at all. 
right. it's just given to somebody else. And what we what happens is this. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little bit esoteric, but um, what happens is we actually give responsibility up, and then that group, whoever you're giving responsibility to, now has control. They're your parent now, right? That's yep. the difference between a parent and a kid. Is the parent has responsibilities. A child doesn't have to grow up with that, which is the way it should be, right? They should be right. able to live their lives, but they also have a bedtime, um, just like in North Korea, they have a bedtime, right? Yeah. Um, that's how those things develop on a societal level, uh, whether we like it or not. You know, people are not all peachy keen all the time. Yeah. Um, so that's why I moved my stuff into cold, uh, cold storage is to prevent uh, other people from taking responsibility over my finances, like um, some of the things that have happened in the very recent past um, right and yeah used irresponsibly right exactly if you have heard about the ftx scandal or celsius or voyager or any n number of other things that's happened recently it's because people wanted convenience over security and honestly right. that's why that the world is in the state that it's in today not to get too esoteric myself <laughs> but we have prioritized convenience over security and so here we are, you know, we've got both hands tied behind our back. And now we're like, why can't I do anything? It's like, well, <laughs> we've been asking for this for years. Anyway, yeah. all that aside, this whole tangent is to just kind of come full circle back to the node, right? And so we're like, what is a node? It's related to Bitcoin. It's like anybody. So here's something I, had, I haven't said this. Anybody can run a node. Literally anybody. Like if you want to own a copy of the Bitcoin blockchain yourself, time to spin up a node. And uh, why is that important? Well, nodes are the things that actually verify that all of the transactions are accurate. So I have a copy of the Bitcoin node because I started realizing I'm moving my money. Even when I'm moving it to cold storage, there's another level of trust that's in there that I didn't like. And that is if you're using Bitcoin and you're transacting, the person that processes that particular transaction is a person that's out there kind of like the cloud. You know how we mm -hmm. say, oh, we store stuff in the cloud? That doesn't exist. The cloud is just somebody else's hard drive. That's all yep. it is. It's, it's convenience for security again. So when I started realizing that, I was like, oh my God, like when I'm transacting Bitcoin, I'm trusting like Electrum Wallet or Blue Wallet or both very good services, right? By the way, check both of those out, Electrum and Blue Wallet. Um, e even like Samurai Wallet, all of these open source, like very trusted uh, Bitcoin only companies. But I have to trust those people that they're going to actually process my transaction and do it accurately. And so I started being like, man, I really kind of want to run my own node because I don't want to I don't want to trust somebody else to like actually handle my transaction. And that's the beauty of it. If you spin up this tech, you can. <clears throat> confirm your own transactions more or less. I would imagine, and let me know if you've done this, I guess actually you kind of did this with me when I came down uh, for Thanksgiving that one time, um, is I think that also having a node allows you to demonstrate Bitcoin in a way that lay people can be like, oh, I see what you're doing now. Like you've got a copy of every single transition or transaction that's ever been done or maybe not per the different types of nodes that we're about to talk about. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got a record of what happened, right? So you're looking straight into, instead of going, Hey, uh, uh, bank of America or whoever, how much money do I have? And they say, well, you have this much money. Um, you can go, no, I checked the network. I know exactly right. how much money I have, whether you yep. tell me that's the truth or not. I can verify right. that for myself. Exactly. And something else that I think is even more important. So I like 
if someone asked me what's like the most important part of Bitcoin to me, I would lean on the 21 million part. Like there mm -hmm. are only 21 million Bitcoin that can possibly ever exist. Several of those million have been lost. Several have been locked. But that's that's like that's the thing. Everyone's like, this is one of the biggest value props for Bitcoin. And if you keep asking our logic of like, well, why should I trust you? That's a good question. Like people are just telling you that information. How can you actually determine for yourself that that's the reality? Well, you spin up your own node. You download a copy of the entire Bitcoin blockchain. And then once that's downloaded to your device, you can query and say, how many Bitcoin are in this blockchain? And it'll take it six or seven minutes if you're running fast and it'll spit out an equation and tell you the balance. And yeah. don't take it from me that it's 21 million, go spin up your own node and verify it for yourself. But it's really affirming, you know, to be able to ask the tech, is this true? And it says, yes, you know? Yeah. Well, and we also see this with other chains as well, right? So like if, uh, with the, with Ethereum, it was 2.0 just came out, right? The proof of stake. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The proof of stake. So now people are actually watching those nodes Right. And and running essentially, uh, what would you call it? Like a, a survey or a double check or a um, uh, what do you call that in finance when you like an audit? Yeah, an audit. They're auditing that chain, going, okay, do I still think this is a good idea or do I not anymore? Right. Um, what's actually going on? So it has that extra level of transparency where you can see through it and actually do that if you're running a note. Right. Um, with Ethereum, though, like uh, I'll just make a quick note here. The, the differences between proof of work and proof of stake are really in the decentralization part. And with Ethereum, there was this big, uh, I don't know if it's still up on Twitter anymore, uh, but uh, Pierre Rochard is an incredible Bitcoiner. Um, his content that he writes is amazing. I can't remember where he's at right now, maybe Kraken or something like that. But uh, he went on this crusade to try and prove what the Ethereum supply is because believe it or not, no one actually knows what the exact Ethereum supply is because mm -hmm. of the nature of its node running and its centralization. There's only a small group of people that have run nodes and have supported the Ethereum network because it's so expensive, honestly, um, and because it wasn't built like Bitcoin was. Uh, but he could never verify it. Like there was this huge conversation. Ethereum maxis were getting extremely angry. They were like, well, you're just attacking us. And he was like, no, I swear to God, like I'm not attacking you. I just <laughs> want to know what the supply is. And he even funded like research to try and like make this happen. And no one can ever do it. Um, so, yeah. oh yeah, uh, Nick is reminding me, um, if you check out the other Bitcoin live show, um, uh, 3D uh, Changes Perspectives, he has a really cool episode on proof of work versus proof of stake. Um, and the Ethereum transition. So yeah, there you go. Thanks for pulling that up. Yeah, Nick. And he does three. a much better job of digging into the weeds than we exactly. Do. If you want, we're gingerly for a reason. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. If you want technicals, three um, D show is where where you should look into that. So thanks, Nick. That yeah, definitely check out that show so we don't have to explain all of that. Um, <laughs> Cross but so, promotion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> Bitcoin Live Network, y'all. You gotta support all of the shows. But um. So yeah, but anyway, moving on. So now we're going to like actually dive into the more like depth of what a Bitcoin node is, um, because I think, like we said, we're focusing on Bitcoin. That's what we consider to be our priority, especially for beginners. If you're watching this and you're new, you know, do your research on the Ethereum stuff if you want. But like on this episode, we want to focus on Bitcoin uh, nodes. And I, in my research, when I was preparing for this episode, um, I found an amazing article on bitpanda.com. Uh, Nick, if you wouldn't mind bringing that one up. It's it's a uh, it's an eight minute read they say, uh, but honestly, like I skimmed it pretty quickly, um, and it's 
Like it's great. I, it's one of the best descriptions of a node that I've ever read. So um, I'm going to use that heavily for our conversation moving forward. Um, and if you want to use, like if you're watching and you want to dive in, definitely check out this uh, article here. Um, so I alluded earlier on that there are a lot of misconceptions about nodes. One of the biggest ones that honestly, so I'm an OG and I make this mistake all the time. I need to be more clear about the fact that miners and nodes are the same thing. They're both validators, but one of them actually mines transactions and can get rewarded for solving the like transactions, the transaction blocks, right? So miners, right. they devote their GPU, CPU power to solving the Bitcoin blocks that get produced every 10 minutes that allow transaction to happen. And then if they solve that block, they get money for it. That's a mining node, a validator validator node does not get any rewards but it has the entire bitcoin blockchain and then it has now there's like really cool user interfaces that you can use to explore the blockchain to build your own apps on top of like the blockchain um if any geeks are watching and you've built your own like minecraft server using a raspberry pi it's a very similar kind of setup it's like you don't have all of the benefits of like a minecraft you know large uh I don't know what you would like a game, a game based server, right? That's like infinitely large and can do all this stuff, but you yourself own the control over the server and can make really cool tweaks and all that kind of stuff. So um, when we're talking about a node today, we're not going to be talking about a mining node. We're going to be talking about a validator node. And that diff that's, that is a difference, but it's important to note that like at the base layer, the tech is pretty much the same. It's just a copy of the blockchain, right? Gotcha. So, so, just to get because terminology is always an issue with tech right yes. so we call those mining nodes full nodes or master nodes is that how that works because i Not skimmed the article nodes. but master nodes is something totally different um okay and we so can a we can full skim on those has the ability node. to mine yes yes so yeah so if you look in the this this phrase in the bitcoin uh bitpanda article is good the term node and full node are often used synonymously there's actually a difference between these two things according to the bitcoin core documentation quote a full node is a program that fully validates transactions and blocks almost all full nodes also support the network by accepting transactions and blocks from other full nodes validating those transactions and blocks then relaying them to other full nodes so i would say we need to back that up a full node is not a mining node. Okay. A full node accepts transactions and keeps a full entire copy of the blockchain. By comparison, like a light node which, or, or not a full node, um, they only verify uh, like block headers. Like they don't have, so each block has like microtransactions that's associated with it. And then also um, a lot of times you'll only download X amount of data, like on a gigabyte or like a storage capacity basis. <laughs> and right. not download the full thing because you want to save storage space. And so that's not a full node. That would be considered like a light node or, um, okay. I don't know, a non-full node, if you want to say that. So, so the difference, so, okay, then we call mining nodes, mining nodes. And they are that's full nodes. nodes. Yeah. And they are full nodes. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, um, all mining nodes are full nodes, but not all full nodes are mining nodes. Correct. Yep. Okay, cool. We're, we're sorting it out. Yep. <laughs> Easy, easy, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, again, you can read the article here, but um, I like how I alluded to there are certain nodes that only uh, they'll download blocks from the beginning of the chain until it reaches a storage capacity limit, and then it'll start deleting the oldest blocks. 
I mean, it's like on Twitter, you can do that same thing, right? You can set like after X date, I want everything deleted because either you care about your privacy or like, you know, storage or whatever. You just right. auto delete. Um, and it, it it's still a full node because it did or not, you know, it is a full node because it did the work of verifying and validating all those initial transactions. But it's different than the standard full node, which just has an entire copy like on the right. hard drive. Which I would imagine would get to be pretty immense uh, fairly quickly. Yeah, uh, um, as as you know what I can, well, it might take me a second to log in. Um, I was going to log into my node and check. I think it's like four <laughs> and a half gigabytes right now, which isn't massive. Um, so is there any issue with talking about your node specifically? No, no, not at all. Okay. Um, so do you run a full node? I do run a full node. Yeah. Um, so I about, I don't even know how long it's been. It's too, so I went too long in my Bitcoin career without running a full node. Um, honestly, I, I thought that it was going to be too difficult. Um, and when I started, it was too difficult. Like back in the day, you had to, excuse me, you had to know a decent level of code. You had to be able to set up your own Raspberry Pi, like without hardly any instruction. Like pretty much the only tips and hints that were out there were on like forums or Reddit. And so it took hours and hours of like just parsing through stuff, trying to figure out what was right. You know, and if you get something wrong, then trying to troubleshoot that would take even longer. So I honestly was so intimidated. I was like, I'm not going to be able to do this. Uh, but then a couple years back, I heard of this company called Umbrel, um, U-M-B-R-E-L, Umbrel. And they made uh, Bitcoin nodes. I mean, as easy as like uh, setting up an Xbox. I mean, if you oh, can, wow. if you can set up an Xbox, <laughs> you can set up a, an Umbrel Bitcoin node. Um, the, it's like the coolest most affordable plug and play option that I've ever seen. There's another company called um, Casa um, Hodl, uh, H-O-D-L, the old term. Yeah, thanks for pulling up Umbral, Nick. Uh, no need to pull up Casa. I want to focus on Umbral. Casa was like a little bit more expensive. And Umbral was like, we know that Bitcoin Maxi is like saving lots of money. <laughs> so we're just yeah. going to essentially on their website, you can, you can check out their website there. And it'll give you a like step-by-step -step, buy this piece of hardware. Like do, do this action with that piece of hardware, click this button to install and you're done. And like they walk wow. you through the entire process. And I had a node, like I was downloading the Bitcoin blockchain within less than 10 minutes. It was, wow. it was incredible. So, um, I highly recommend it. Even if you know absolutely nothing about nodes at all. And, and you're like, I've done no research. I'm just going to like, see if I can set this up. I guarantee you that you can make an umbral node work. So I'm going to probably be doing this, uh, maybe not in this month, but hopefully next month. Um, yeah, I'll probably start running. Yeah, I'm going to kind of wait till things get settled back in oh, in January. Nice. Just so oh, I'm real not quick, all over sorry, the place. Go sorry ahead. to interrupt, but this is the Umbral dashboard right here um, that we're looking at. It's extremely pretty. Uh, you can customize it. Um, they have a really cool link where you can actually access your node uh, from anywhere in the world using Tor which is oh, cool. crazy because when you start <laughs> thinking about that, you can actually um, route transactions through your own node, even if you're not at home, right? You don't have to be connected yeah. to the same network. You can set up your mobile wallet to always route through your node as long as it's active, which is just mind-bendingly awesome. So one of the questions that I kind of have in my head is like, let's say I run a node, There's some, there is some cost associated with that. Um, 
what do I get in exchange is the question. Like, what do I, what do I receive um, for running a node on behalf of the network? Um, and you bring up an interesting point because, I, so if I run my own node, I can make transactions happen just from my node. I don't need an exchange or anything. Yep, that's correct. Yeah. Okay, cool. So um, what's really awesome is that in, in Umbral, what you're looking at is like, a, it's an app store, more or less. Um, okay. Yeah, uh, Nick's posting in the chat. We've got like lots of resource links in the chat. If you're watching, check those out. Um, you can be learning along with us. But essentially, Umbral's app store opens up a wild variety of uh, opportunities for things that you can do, not just with the Bitcoin network, but through the Bitcoin network. For instance, you can set up a, um, it's called, a, I think, a Raspberry Pi hole, and it may be featured on the home screen there. But um, it, it is a, an ad blocker that is validated through the Bitcoin blockchain that you install at your router level, essentially. And so all ads are blocked from your internet router because of your Bitcoin node. It's pretty, you can also do that with cloud storage. So if you want to back up photos, you can use the Bitcoin network and your Umbral node to back up your, your photos to a cloud service, quote unquote, that you control. That's not third party that you can verify that you own. You can do that with music. You can even do that with internet devices. Like uh, if you wanted to be able to use smart devices like Alexa or Google, and you don't trust that they're not spying on you 24 seven, you can actually buy like, uh, you know, what do you call off brand um, smart devices and sync them to your Bitcoin node so that they run off of your own network, not off of Google or Amazon's network. Interesting. Okay. So we're not talking about monetary value here. You're, it's not like, oh, you're going to earn X percent of yield. But the the trust that you take away from those corporations that we all say are like squashing us and taking all of our data, you're taking all that data back because you run a Bitcoin node. So so essentially, hmm, how do you put this in simple terms? It's Web3 that is located at your residence or wherever your node is you're you're taking right. the internet and making it yours specifically right which is so, pretty phenomenal to think about actually i want to be specific though um so this isn't an internet service provider and i would say right. currently that is the biggest weakest link that blockchain has is internet service providers because um uh, if you okay. notice if amazon web services go down um, blockchain suffer, but not just blockchains, like people get locked out of buildings because smart devices are controlled by Amazon web services, right? Like if you think about all of the things and this, this illustration right here that Nick's got up is a brilliant illustration. Check that out. Without Umbral, you have to just trust that all of the transactions, all of the internet, smart things, like all of your cell phone data, even all that stuff has to go through somebody else's server. Right. And you have to trust that they're not stealing that information. That's just a fact. We blindly do this every single day. But if you have your own server that is powered by the Bitcoin network, you don't have to trust anybody. You And what's crazy is even with the Umbral App Store, all of this stuff you can verify. Like I'm not a I'm not a dev whiz myself, but all of their code is auditable. So it's like mm -hmm. there there is no level of even trust that Umbral is going to steal your information. It's it's literally just a user interface that allows you to do the co complex coding things that you used to have to do. Yeah. Um, 
Is so it, yeah, just a UI basically that they built, and then they charge a one-time fee for you to use those UIs, and then that's it. Yeah, and Your, honestly, most of the cost to use Umbral is um is through like the hardware cost. You just have to buy like a Raspberry Pi and a solid-state drive, and you you're not going to spend more than two hundred dollars. And if you feel like your personal data is worth more than two hundred dollars, well, then this is worth it. <laughs> you know. Right. Yeah. Um, I feel like I lose a lot of people's interest when I'm talking about nodes, when they find out that like, oh, I'm not going to be earning like buttloads of Bitcoin by doing this. I'm like, <laughs> well, no, but like the value of not having to trust these intermediaries is a big deal. And I think it does a lot for to improve your self-sovereignty like we were talking about in the beginning. Well, I mean, I think that we do talk about it in a weird way because Bitcoin has been compared to a Bitcoin specifically has been compared to a market security and stuff like that right that's what everybody sure. hears about it for the most part which is one why we run this show um is because we want to correct some of those things and and yeah. actually figure it out what's going on with this new technology but nodes are i mean instead of asking somebody you know you should run a node because it's great for bitcoin the question is do you have a safe in your house yeah yeah, yeah. Because if, if you, you have do, a safe in you your house, this is the digital version of that. Yeah, um, exactly and right. When you start to realize that the things that you have that are internet based, like your, you know, money, your identity, your credit card numbers, your passwords, everything is connected now through the internet. Yep. You know, we most people just give that stuff to Google and Apple, and we say oh, one pass. Okay. You can you can have password storage on your Bitcoin node too. You know, why right. trust one pass? Like, don't. So, so now that's a totally different conversation, right? It's yeah. like, well, what do you, what do I get for having a safe in my house? Well, it doesn't like magically make more money inside yeah. there. Yeah, no, it doesn't. But <laughs> the money that I have or the sensitive documents that I have or yep. et cetera, et cetera, is safe and secure. Uh, right. Even if my house burns down, it's fire yep. safe. Okay, cool. So, um, you know, I can put documents and things in there or, you know, maybe a particular Stephen King book that I love, something like that. And right. if it burns up, then my first edition gunslinger is safe, you know? Right. Um, and it's the exact same thing for the internet with nodes via right. blockchain. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I am actually right. Right. I'm saying, yeah, no, that, you're right. right. I'm kind of talking yeah, yeah. out of my ass. <laughs> no, no, no. That's that you're spot on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's cool. a great way to talk about it. I feel like that if, you know, uh, it's just a good to remind everybody that this show is called gingerly because we're trying to introduce people to new topics that are daunting and like technically difficult to discuss. I mean, it'd be really easy for somebody who's been in Bitcoin for years to come in and be like, no, you're not technically correct in blah, 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 blah about nodes. And I'm like, you know what? I honestly don't really care if our conversation is helping these people like that are watching want to go run a node, then we've we've accomplished our purpose. Right. So and not only want to go run a node, but also understand why they want to go run mm -hmm. a node. That's yeah. the big thing to me. Right. And and this is coming from sales. You know, we, when we started doing gingerly, um, the big reason was because me and John were sitting around at a family get together at some point and I was going, I don't understand why nobody's marketing and selling Bitcoin the way that they like in a smart way. Yeah. And uh, in, in large part, it's because the people are, who are working in the space are so smart that it's difficult to bring it down to my level even. Uh, and I'm not stupid by any stretch of the imagination. And no. I still don't understand all of it. So how do I take this and package it and deliver it to people so that we can actually drive adoption? And adoption is the big thing, right? So if yeah. we had, let's say, 100 new people start running nodes, 
we just made the Bitcoin chain way stronger exponentially um, stronger yes exactly and and the more people that run nodes the more secure we can know that bitcoin is and that's the way that we fight back against tyranny to be honest I mean, yeah, I hate no it dramatic is about it but that's what it is we're fighting yeah. against tyranny that hasn't happened yet right yeah i mean or has happened you know like all of the whole like tyranny of convenience is something that we can't really put a finger on um, and yeah. I, you know, I, I see both sides, both sides is such a stupid word these days. Cause it's all just one side, right? Like it, there's, there's, there's the normal everyday person. And then there's the people who are in control. It doesn't matter what side you're on. Both sides are like, how on earth are we going to fix what's going on right now? I, it feels like something is wrong. <laughs> how are we going to yeah. fix it? And it's because we've given yeah. up so much stuff, so much self-sovereignty and freedom for convenience. Right. So like you said, if, if even just me too. Yeah, me too. Like yeah. I, I mean, I didn't run a Bitcoin node for years. Like I'd kind of knew in the back of my head that I probably should be doing it. And then as soon as I started doing some research, I was like, wow, yeah, this is a no brainer. I, you know, I need to be doing this right now. Um, yeah. And uh, once you do it, there's like no looking back, you know, I mean, it's like being able to read. You can't look at a word and not be able to read it. Well, you can't learn about a Bitcoin node and like use Bitcoin and, and not feel the need to do it. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, like I said, I'm going to actually get my nose node started, uh, hopefully in January and, uh, get that up and running. So I'll probably be back and forth and maybe we can do kind of like a follow up, um, and yeah. talk about what I was able to learn just by setting it up and right. uh, playing with a little bit. That would be actually a fun, cool episode to do. Um, so the functionality of a node is all based on, so like Umbral, for example, uh, has these, uh, software pieces that you can use via your node that you're running um, right. i'm assuming you can't use the software without a node uh i mean yeah no it, like that's okay. the whole purpose i guess like exactly you can't, okay. using the software without a node is just like using alexa you know that's it's, right okay cool yeah okay cool i just want to like, double check because you know some some apps will be like oh we're available on this platform but you can also just use it over here which would be fine as well but right. you have to in have that the case node you're trusting to... their company exactly okay cool yeah <laughs> okay cool so then i guess the uh what else do we really need to know i mean because we can talk about the permutations of this capability like right. different um ways that you can use the softwares and things but aside from the fact that nodes are basically the lifeblood of the blockchain and without them the security of it goes away right if if a singular yeah. entity controls like you said 51 percent of nodes then they can just reset the whole thing to be whatever they want to right right and that's at this point I'm it's sure like mathematically impossible to do that with bitcoin like it'd take more it's close to the amount of money that's in the world or something like that to be able to take control of the bitcoin network um, oh wow so yeah i mean again that's something that you can go do your research on don't take my word for it um, didn't somebody used to say that a lot on PBS? Don't take my, was that uh reading rainbow? Maybe. I, I don't know. Maybe. Anyway, don't take my word for it. It's in a book or something like that. <laughs> What's his don't name? Take, uh, <sighs> wasn't that, uh, oh gosh, he was actually a relatively small part of my childhood, given that I'm a millennial. Yeah. Uh, he was anyway. a bigger part of other people's childhoods. I was, I was more of like the anime kid, you know, I was watching. Yeah, yeah samurais and stuff that's yeah. where i got a lot of my like moral <laughs> compass yeah. from like anyway take care, of, take care of the lady and fight off the bad guys that's what i'm supposed yeah. to do okay cool <laughs> mission accomplished 
Well, yeah. Hey, I mean, if you want to look at it from that angle, like taking care of the bad guys is making sure that you actually have the tools to protect yourself. And like a node is, mm-hmm. is one of those tools. So, um, I mean, yeah. So I think the, like, what do you need to know? Like, what else do you need to know? Um, anytime that you use any kind of cryptocurrency, I want, if you're watching this show, I want you to think, who am I trusting when I do this action? If you're sending Bitcoin, if you're opening an app to send your Bitcoin, if you're using a particular type of wallet, if you're using the internet, if you're using a blockchain, ask yourself, who am I trusting? And you shouldn't be trusting anybody at the end of the day except for yourself. That's my belief. I think that everyone should be able to have their own decisions, especially when it comes to their own money and data. And taking one step forward to being able to like host your own wallet, like I mentioned earlier in the show, um, Electrum wallet, that's one of the like OG wallets that are still around that's that are used. Um, and I love them. They're, they're great. At the end of the day, though, you have to trust that the people that created Electrum have your best interests in mind. And they knew that. So they spun up a UI of their wallet that you can actually self host on your node. So you don't have to trust them. And that's yeah. the type of development that I want to see. So um, yeah, I just want I just want people to be asking, like, should I be trusting somebody else in this particular situation probably the answer is no um and then ask yourself what you can do to improve i really have to say that since i've been in the crypto space or the web3 space um there's a lot of people in this space that are really putting their money where their mouth is um what we hear a lot of the time is about people who took advantage of that right that's what's in the media but there is so many more there are so many more people out there who are developing and making things that do actually advantage us. They're like, no, you shouldn't have to trust us. That's what we believe. And we're going to back it up with good code so that you don't have to trust us. If you don't want to, you don't have to. Um, And, you know, it does actually make sense for them to still be like, or you can just trust us and we'll handle some things. That's fine. Offer the convenience. I, yeah. I fully support that. You know, I'm definitely a capitalist at heart, so I'm, I'm totally yeah. okay with that. But it is so nice to have the option and see them offering it as yeah. devs just being kind of selfless in that way, which is really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, like, I mean, Satoshi did that. Like, if you think about it, Satoshi yeah. has never really profited from Bitcoin that we know of. It just took a person that really wanted to make a difference coming in and trying to make a change. And like at the end of the day, that's what me and you are doing here. Like we're not creating code, but we're putting out content, hoping that people who watch it will make some good decisions and, you know, advance society. And I think that if you're watching this, you should feel encouraged that there are people around the world that care about you being able to be the person that you want to be as free as you can possibly be and that they're doing work to make that happen, even if you don't know about it. So I think this is a great wrap up, Nick. Thank you. Go read the Bitcoin white paper. Okay. He talks, Satoshi talks about nodes. He talks about they, it talks about (laughs) why Bitcoin is important. And, you know, it was started in response to a crisis in 2008 that I feel like we've surpassed. Like we need Bitcoin more than ever. We need, we need Bitcoiners more than ever. And uh, yeah, I hope that uh, our efforts through gingerly reach lots of people. Yeah, me too. Me too. Because um, we need to blow this up as much as possible to fend off the tyranny and keep the wolves at bay. Yep. Or it's up to us. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, yeah, hey, man, you want to make it a short episode? I think uh, the the wrap up for me is go go read the white paper, do your own research, 
um, look into Umbral. We've got all of these uh, learning resources available. So definitely take a look through them. Um, and if you want to reach out to myself or uh, Purple Suede 22 on um, Twitter, and Thanks we're right happy here. to have conversations. We're happy to answer questions. If you want to tell us that we're wrong, we'd be happy to address those concerns. Um, reach out. Hey, we come on a show. Come on a show. If you think we're yeah. wrong, come on a show. Let's talk about it. I'm down. Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> Cool. All right. All right well, cool. Pigeon, thanks a, ton. thanks a bunch for a great episode. Uh, no to joy to all of our friends. Hope you have some <laughs> great holidays coming up. And uh, with that, Nick, if you would please cue the music. <laughs>